the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm Mark Howington, and Helen Richardson is the foster care and adoption manager at Focus on the Family. Helen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. I'm excited to be with you today. It is National Foster Care Awareness Month this month of May, and so that's one of the reasons we're having you on. But the one of the other reasons is, as I was looking at your bio and just looking at your life as it unfolded, what better person to talk about foster care than someone who's actually been in foster care? Tell us your story. Yeah, Mark, I, it's no coincidence I'm in the role that I am, even though this is not how I started out. I never thought this was something I could do growing up um, and the times that were really hard thinking forward that there would be a purpose and plan for what I was going through. So um, at an early age, uh, my parents, uh, they struggled. They struggled with life. They struggled for caring for their kids. They made poor choices around finances and addictions. Um, and it just got rough. Um, and thankfully, someone in our community saw what was going on and stepped up and called the right authorities. And myself and my older sibling were removed from our home um, and placed in foster care. And that really, there's a lot of stigmas around what happens when that, when that occurs, like someone's taking my children or you're judging my circumstances. That's not it. Things weren't well for us or for our parents. And Really, foster care um, was a great resource for us to be in a safe environment. Um, the families that I had, I still have very fond memories of. Um, I, I remember I was little at the time when it first started, but there was one family that had this huge outdoor garden. And um, actually, a friend of mine in the last year painted that picture because I don't have physical pictures of that time from the 80s. And so she just painted this wonderful memory that I have from this family. And, you know, things continued this roller coaster back and forth of, my, my parents would kind of get their lives together and we would go back. But unfortunately, at three, my father passed away. And then it was really just all on my mom. And th- things weren't, weren't easy for her. Um, and so we continued in and out of foster care. And then when she passed away, we're actually when I was six years old. Um, and that's when things transitioned and I moved into what's called kinship care. And kinship care can be done through relatives or it can be done through relationships that are family-like, kin-like. Um, and, and I went from being in foster care from state families, licensed families, into this relational families. Um, And and for a lot of people, kinship care is great. And for me, it started out great with one relative, um, but something happened and I transitioned to another relative and the the roller coaster started again and and some things weren't good. Uh, One family was incredibly abusive. um, And it's hard to say that, that a loving family member would do that. But I also know that not to condone any of what they did, but things were hard for them. They didn't know what they were getting to. They had their own issues to deal with. I wasn't getting proper 
um, therapy and support to deal with everything that I had gone through and the abuse early on in my life. And there weren't resources for families like there are today. And so they struggled and, you know, I moved to another family and they struggled. And finally it was, I was 18 and I was on my own um, and, and kind of continued on with life. And thankfully in my early twenties, God got a hold of me through a friend who had been faithfully praying. And I've been on a very different journey, which has led me to be in this role at uh, focus. And it's, I can definitely see that the Lord was always with me, but um, has a distinct path for that time where things weren't hard and, and also for those times when things were really good, that I can now be a voice for those who may not have a voice and to speak up for those families and those individuals out there that have that prick in their heart that, you know, you know, I've been thinking about this, I've heard this, you know, I've always thought about it or I'm just starting to think about it and say, yes, do that, take that next step. And it can be anything as simple as praying, to helping a family, to actually becoming a foster or an adoptive family. What a story, Helen. And, and Helen, I'm going to admit, I've never, ever asked anybody that has been a guest on this show this question, but I'm going to ask you, how old are you now? I am 40 years old. Okay, so we're talking about 22 years ago when you were 18 mm-hmm. that um, you were on your own, you said in your 20s, God got a hold of you. The reason I'm asking the question is, as I heard your story, there's like all these branches that I'd love to just tackle. Yes. One of those branches is, first of all, hope. And that, that hope is that even though that childhood that you just described, which, which wow, what, what an incredible time. But the hope part of it is, here you are now in, in your 40s, and you're working for Focus on the Family. You're making a difference. So even though there was this dark time in your life, there was a redemption and a hope that came from that. Yes, you described foster families that were in some ways difficult of being with kinship, care with some family members, difficult times, and yet here you are. And so that's one of the first things that I love about good foster care, at least, is that it gives children an opportunity to have a future just as you have had a future. So I'm I'm really touched by your story. I just, I so appreciate what you've shared so far and appreciate that, that hope. So I, one of the other branches that I just want to get into right away, because I, I know that sometimes we have this romantic view of foster care that, you know, we just take the kids in and, and, you know, it's just going to be love and, and we'll give hugs and everything will be okay. And yet there are some struggles. So as families, maybe you're considering becoming foster parents and who knows, maybe because of this program, they might actually take that consideration seriously. Um, what would you say is a reality in terms of kids uh, coming into their home? I mean, they're, they're going to probably be a lot of kids who've gone through some difficulties. What would you say to a prospective foster care parent? That it matters is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I was just emailing with a family in another state this morning and getting them connected to their local organizations and the next steps. And I said, thank you. As a former foster youth, thank you for being brave and taking this next step. And by no means can I promise that it'll all be good because there's going to be rough times, um, but it matters and it's going to make a difference. And, you know, every child is completely different. Their journey is different. There are things in my journey that uh, make me who I am. And there's things I still deal with as an adult uh, because of some one form of abuse a relative like to choke me, I still to this day cannot wear necklaces or scarves. And 
I remember a time where there was a school program and they wanted me to wear something around my neck um, just as a part of a costume, and I couldn't formulate one out of embarrassment to say, I don't like to because it makes me feel like I'm being choked because somebody choked me. But at the same time, I, I wasn't healed enough to be able to explain and recognize and share that. Um, and there's times where because of my care and the movements that I and other kids go through this of, you know, we want to perform and be the best that we can because if you're if we're good, you won't get rid of us and we won't transition. We know that things that are hard um, make us less lovable. And that's, that's not true. It just makes it challenging. Um, and people who step into the space, that is a reality there. Um, that might be as simple as acting out and not doing a chore or a complete meltdown and not being able to function. But it's not the child's fault. Things that they have to step back and realize there are things that have been done to them, things that they have seen and experienced that is beyond their control because their brain has been shaped by this. I mean, physically their brain has been altered. The neuropaths and then um, the endings of their brain nerves have been changed by it. And you think that it's, it's brain damage, but what is amazing and what is so healing and I think points to God and the redemption of it is that their, their brains and our brains can be healed. And the way that's done is through relationship, healthy, loving, faith-based, God-centered relationship um, that can bring healing into these child children's lives. You know, some of them may not have that. And I, you know, I think of even within our, my own biological family that I found in my adult years, biological children, they make bad choices. I mean, I think of even in my small group right now, praying for family members who have children or grandchildren that are, are wayward and are struggling. Um, the stereotype isn't just, it's for all children. And just set focus on the family, how we are, have a goal of helping families thrive. Specifically in this area, we recognize that biological families and foster and adoptive families need help to thrive. So know that it may be hard, it is, um, but there's light in the tunnel. There are resources and people out there to help. We're there to help. Um, people can always go to focusonthefamily.com and then our specific program website, waitnomore.org, to get resources, articles. We even have a um, warm counseling line that they call into to get connected and hear the immediate concern and then get connected locally to counselors to help support them on the journey. But um, it, it, it can be intimidating, but please don't let, you, let that stop you. That this, your, your step into this um, makes a healing impact into the life of a child. Thank you, Helen. Helen Richardson's my guest. She's a foster care and adoption manager with Focus on the Family. Helen, as you were talking about that, I was thinking of a family in our church, uh, incredible family. They, uh, the, the husband and wife couple, probably over the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, have probably had over 200 foster kids in their family. They bring them to church. They've even asked us, hey, don't don't say, hey, this must be the new kid. Just take him in and, and give him love just as though they were part of our family. But the, an exceptional family in terms of, yes, the, the difficulties that you've talked about of foster kids uh, oftentimes are coming from a, a dysfunctional family where there's been abuse or there's been neglect or there's been deaths, early death, and so there's that grief or are all the, the issues that kids have to deal with. And yet, as you mentioned, someone who really feels that God has enabled them to be this caring family who can provide some stability and love, maybe maybe talk about that. What what would qualify a family to be a foster care family? 
the first thing that comes to mind is that they're willing, that they're willing to step into the space. Um, you know, God calls us all to do something. Um, everyone can do something. And, and that might be a simple, you know, I can pray for this family, but I don't feel called into the space. Um, you know, my fo- the person who was in my role before me at Focus on the Family was very clear in sharing. We have a whole video on it of, you know, I never felt called, she said, to be a foster parent. Um, but she said she knew she was called to do something. And so she whacked around and supported a family. But others feel that calling. So I would say the first thing is um, be willing and being open. So, you know, coming to going to the Lord and asking, Lord, is this what you have me to do? Um, and, you know, the enemy's going to come in very quick and say, well, what about this? And, you know, you have this. Uh, and just, again, come to the Lord, lay those all at the feet and, and be willing to take that next step. Learn, experience. And, you know, we, through Focus on the Family, we our program includes our outfacing events that we do across the country. Um, and we talk with people who come to the event, and um, one, of a, one of the experiences they have is that they can attend a breakout session on foster care adoption or support. And we'll that check in. I'll uh, hear a common question of, well, you know, online I signed up for the, the support room, but, you know, can I go to another room? And I am very quick to answer and say, yes, you are going to go through and you're going to hear and you're going to be on this journey and just be open to what, where the Spirit is leading you and let that be your guide because you might come in with a lens of I'm just going to support a family and you really are in a space that you can actually be the foster parent. You can be that foster family. So, again, just being willing to step into that space, um, also being very cognizant and recognize that you are not alone and, and, and this journey needs support. So looking at your community around you and saying, hey, it's not just, you know, um, John and Jane going through this journey as parents with their children or just them as a couple. It is their friends, it is their community group, it is their neighbors, it's their family around them. Um, and making this a really holistic approach of um, stepping into foster care. One of the things I know that you wanted to talk about was if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, I, I, you know, you're tugging on my heartstrings, I would like to, to at least explore this. What, what are the next steps? You, you mentioned in specifically in the Denver area, there are some organizations, obviously Focus on the Family, just down the road in Colorado Springs, but there are organizations that can help families through uh, let's talk about maybe back it all the way up to step number one. What would step number one be? Who would families contact if they're thinking, you know, I, I think I could be a, a foster family? Uh, what, what, how do they get started? The first thing I would say is please visit waitnomore.org. Uh, again, waitnomore.org. It is our uh, program website with focus on the family specific around foster care, adoption, and support. On there, we have information on the journey of foster care adoption. We have a prayer guide this month. It is National Foster Care Month. That's why we're talking, Mark. And um, a prayer guide that outlines each day and how you can be praying for the kids in foster care, the families, the counselors, the teachers, the coaches, everyone involved in the sphere around children and care. It also outlines just some general questions of, you know, some people, hey, I have no idea how this works. Um, I know about private foster care. I've kind of heard about that, but I didn't even know it was called private foster or private adoption. I apologize. Um, and, you know, we outline and kind of explain all those different things. And then also there's a contact button. They can t- contact us with questions and say, hey, you know, I live in this area and I'd like to take the next step. 
Um, I was just speaking with a family in the state of Wisconsin this morning. You know, I don't know a, a lot about Wisconsin, but I do have contacts. And so putting them in connection to where they actually live and what the journey is for them. And then also with that same family and what we can do for the families in Denver, giving them free resources. One of the great things about being a part of Focus is that uh, we are a small team in foster care and adoption, but we are part of the larger ministry. So we have support of marketing and um, research and other things that helps us to put together best-in-class, faith-based resources for families. So we have books and booklets that we provide free to anyone who's interested in whatever quantity they'd like um, to cover things such as, you know, how do I embrace a child who has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder? Or, you know, I am of one race and my placement of a child is of another race and I want to be cognizant of that transracial placement. What are things I need to be aware of? Or even I've heard of animal therapy being a great support and we have things that talk going on that topic as well. So reaching out, going to waitnomore.org and just um, taking the next step to learn, to be empowered, and to move forward on their journey. Helen Richardson is a foster care and adoption manager with Focus on the Family. Helen, is, as we've talked about maybe some of the initial first steps, let's go a little deeper. If someone's thinking about, okay, I, I'll take the step, I'll find out more information, I think I could become a foster family. What would the next steps be after that? For example, I know you know a family in our church who adopted um, a, a family member or, or a little girl, and you know they went through. And this is adoption, so I realize it's a little different than foster care, but probably the steps are similar. You know, they they had interviews. They they had a, a, someone come and take a look at their home, make sure it was a safe place. They. They uh, you know, took a look at their financial records. I mean, all of that can seem like a daunting process, but, um, but maybe not if it's worth it for, as we talked about your life story, if you know you're going to give a child a hope in a future. So dig a little deeper. What are some of the next steps after the initial steps? Yeah, Mark, it's interesting because my husband and I are actually walking through this journey right now of adoption from foster care. Um, when we got together, we knew... Uh, that was the first thing on the plate. Hey, nice to meet you. This is my story. <laughs> this is where I am. And he stayed. So he was a winner. Uh, but it's interesting going on this journey of me that has a lot of knowledge from both sides of it and him not having this experience. So having those fresh eyes. And so I was just sharing them with him recently with some questions of, you know, we've taken the first step, which is going to an information meeting. We um, looked at the agencies in our area and said, this is the agency we want to work with. Um, in Colorado, it is by county, so it'll be where you live. <clears throat> in the Denver area, there's an amazing organization, Project 127. They walk you through the whole journey and even work with you and your agency, and they can provide the training hours that will be a part of it. But they are really big around the support aspect, and so they're um, an inclusive uh, journey for that family up there. Down here in the Springs, my husband and I are going to um, a different organization, just because of location, but you know, we went to that first informational meeting um, and we got paperwork, lots of paperwork, and we joked about, hey, you know, we're not going to have the nine months and we're not going to have labor, but we're going to have lots of paper cuts, <laughs> and um, that's going to be our pain points on this and filing and getting things done, and then we're going to start going through training classes. State of Colorado requires a certain number and specific trainings that all families go through, and then you get a, a kind of extracurricular hours. So right now we're walking through the Hope for the Journey simulcast, um, which is a great trauma training for us to understand 
what these kids have gone through and how to interact with them as parents in a specific way that helps them from their trauma background. We'll go through trainings. We'll finish that paperwork. There'll be a background check done on us. They'll will be um, we'll fill out information on our finances. We'll get interviewed and you know ask questions. This agency I, I know professionally and personally, so they know my story and they've talked with me before. And so they'll ask questions to make sure you know from my perspective and what I've gone through in my past is it gonna um, how are we handling this as we take in children from hard places as well? They'll come to our home and make sure it's safe from you know a bookshelf that's really tall and laden. Is it anchored on the wall? Do we have fire extinguishers? Is our amazing dog, Bernice, does she have her shots and she's up to date? Is she safe to be around children? Um, and we'll go through all of that and we'll start talking about where, what are we thinking about as adoptive parents? What age groups are we thinking about? Um, my husband and I are hoping to adopt um, siblings that are in school already, older children, because it's harder to find homes for older kids and it's harder to find homes for siblings keeping them all together, and we know the importance of that. So that's what we've been called to do. And um, through that journey, we'll get hopefully paired up with a sibling group and start visitations and get to know them. And if everyone feels like it's a right fit, they'll start visiting together outside of the home and then coming to our home and then eventually be placed in our home on the path to finalization. So we're hoping in the next year we will be going and having a gotcha day at a court here down in El Paso County um, and having all the people around us and just celebrating their adoption and joining and growing our Richardson family. So that's a look kind of of what our year is going to be like and helping sharing with your listeners what a family's journey might be. Helen Richardson, foster care and adoption manager at Focus on the Family. Helen, we've got about four minutes left. Let's let's uh, cycle it back around. We've We've talked about the possibility of being a foster family and the process to go through but talk about the rewards, the 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 results of especially to the kids of of foster care. You know, Mark, I just had to take a breath <laughs> because that hits close to my heart. Um, it matters, it makes a difference, and it's you may never know that, you may never see it, but it does. I I think back to the times when. There was a foster family in my early years and standing in a kitchen of an A-frame house and having the mom say, you know, you can call us mom and dad. And I mean, past the age of six, I never called anyone mom and dad until I got married and my in-laws are like, yes, call us mom and dad. I didn't even ask. They just kept saying, you can call us mom, mom and dad. And so all of those years did not have that very standard thing that so many kids and people walk through life and don't even think of hey, I can call someone mom and I can make that phone call um, and reach out and have that relationship. So being that, even just for a temporary window, or being there when it's safe and knowing that you're coming home to a family and a household where you won't have to worry about where am I sleeping. There was a time that when I was with my biological mom that we slept on the floor of a store. Um, And I remember as a kid thinking it was really cool and like, kind of fun but now as adult I just grieve like I slept on the floor um and knowing that families that the foster families I with were you know I got food I didn't have to worry if I was going to be hungry I didn't have to worry about you know again being safe or if someone was going to yell at me or where we were going to be it was just a home and and that's so important no child should have to wonder that and when we have so many families that are so blessed and in places that they can provide that 
why not? Why not be that temporary home to help that fa- that family on their journey of um, getting in a better place where they're healed and can be one again in a safe, caring, loving environment? Helen Richardson, talk uh, in the couple of about a minute and a half that we have left. Uh, I, I always call this time of the program your elevator speech. Talk about focus on the family. Talk about National Child uh, Foster Care Awareness Month. Uh, talk about uh, the the resource, the prayer guide that you want to offer. And again, you've got about a minute and a half to wrap it all up. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, Mark. You know, it's such a privilege to be able to be in this space and focus on the family. Realized as they were going through their journey of helping families thrive, that all families do, and that might be biological. Um, blended families, foster families, adoptive families, and that's where our program came from. And our goal is always to empower, educate, and equip families. So please visit waitnomore.org or focusonthefamily.com to get connected to learn more. What is foster care? What is adoption? You know, you might be on this journey. You can read some articles, say, yep, you know, I've been struggling with that. That helps me to have an idea of what those next steps might be in my own journey. Or, hey, you know, I have that pinprick in my heart. We've been thinking about this. I'd like to take that next step. I don't know where to start. Reach out. Contact us by email through our website. We'd love to talk to you through this journey, help you on that next step and getting connected to where you are locally. It will make a difference and make the difference of a child and the life of a family. And that ultimately helps our communities. So, Thank you for willing to be able to step into that space. And in the meantime, if you aren't called to feel ready to be a family, we have a prayer guide this month that highlights every day that you can be praying for an area of foster care and adoption from foster care um, and all the people involved. And we know that prayer is powerful. So go to waitnomore.org to download that free prayer guide. Helen Richardson, Foster Care and Adoption Manager with Focus on the Family. Thank you for being a part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.